Good morning and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal Taves and I'm the pastor of women here at Northview Church. I am joined today by Thalia. Hello, everyone. And by Andrea. Hi. And by Angela. Hello. And we'll get them to introduce themselves in a second. But first, I'll just tell you the topic for this morning. Uh, We wanted to talk about the sanctity of life and how we believe life begins, what that kind of um, means for us as people. And so we brought in Angela and Andrea to talk with us because they're both working in the medical field. So why don't you give us a little bit of a history on yourselves? Andrea, why don't you start? I'm Andrea. Um, My husband and Eric and I have been attending Northview for about eight years now. I am a mom of three kiddos, um, eight and six and three. So two in elementary school and one at home. And I am also a maternity doctor in Abbotsford. Um, As a family doctor, I deliver babies with a group of physicians. Yeah. Um, And I've been doing that job for about seven years since I finished my training. There you go. And how else are you involved at Northview? Um, Also involved in Precept. um, So Monday Night Women's Precept Bible Study. Yeah. um, For the last five years. And now kind of leading a discussion group. Yeah. So you love God. You love his word. You love working with medical things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Meeting babies. Yeah. yeah. How often yeah. are you on call or on duty? What's your schedule? I try to work one 24-hour shift at the hospital a week. Okay. And then one or two days um, in the office seeing mums and babies and yeah. pregnant ladies. What does yeah. that mean? One 24-hour shift at the hospital? Like you actually stay there 24 hours? We do. Wow. Okay. Yeah. If it's okay. really quiet, I can go home for dinner. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but, but you're just kind of on duty hours for that on, time. So. Yeah, for okay. whatever My phone babies. rings for yeah. whoever. You have a Whoever's little coming in from our group. Bed okay. there that you can sleep in and stuff like that? a little again? room, yeah. Okay. Wow. Interesting. That's I didn't know that. Yeah. 24 hours. Yeah. There we go. Okay. I don't want to do that here at church. No. <laughs> no, let's not get that at here. Well, sometimes you have almost. No. Yeah, I know. Sometimes <laughs> no, I like have. It, yeah. But yeah. I went home briefly Thursday night between pre-marriage and the next morning, but yeah. I still don't want to no. actually have a bed here. No bunk beds. No. Greg would like to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Angela. Okay, my name's Angela Visser, and um, I've also been attending Northview with my family for about six to seven years. Um, I've been a nurse for a very long time, spent most of my career working with women and children, Mm -hmm. most of it in neonatals, so I've looked after those babies that are less than a pound before. Wow, wow. little preemies. Um, Yeah, so born at 24, 23 weeks, um, as well as now I currently work in maternity delivering those babies or bigger ones than that. Okay. So you work with them, very complicated situations. Yes, I have in the past. So currently, um, it's more of the The normal. Full term. Yeah, full term normal. But it, you know, whatever comes in, we also take care of those. So been involved with um, difficult pregnancies, high risk pregnancies, normal pregnancies um, for a very long time. So on a shift, how many would be really challenging situations, would you say? Ooh, that's a hard question to answer. Um, Probably one or two. Okay. Not necessarily preterm, but maybe complicated life choices yeah. or difficult um, diagnosis or... Okay. But for the most, it's pretty normal. And how many on average would you deliver in a shift? Ooh. <laughs> I know. He's working on the sheet, Thalia. You're know, putting her sorry. on the spot. <laughs> well, the birth rate is increasing like crazy in ah, Abbotsford. Okay. Um, and so our numbers are going higher and higher. Maybe it's because we have a nice new hospital. Yeah. Um, but we will deliver on a 12-hour shift 
four to eight babies on okay. average. And you're oh. saying that possibly one or two might be quite challenging. And I know that yep. will change, but yep. okay. So are you full-time? No, I work about three-quarter time. Okay. Um, manage my family at home. I yeah. also have two daughters and a son, but only one living at home. The yeah. other ones are moved out already. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it keeps us busy. So are you on a regular rotation or like on an on-call? We do self-scheduling. Oh, okay. So I do pick yeah. up a lot of extra when yeah. they need um, more staff. But for the most, it is... Um, rotating days and nights. Yeah, it's funny how every, like I've talked to different nurses in different departments and every department seems to yeah. have kind of their own way of doing it. Yep. Some self-schedule, some just have the rotation that continues on forever for five years or whatever, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Pros and cons of both. Yeah. Did you say how you've been involved in the past or now? Um, at, at, at Northview? Yeah. Um, I attend Precepts, have been doing that for about five years. Okay. Um, I babysit now Thursday mornings because oh. I Still love children. Yeah, okay, so that's fun. I look after other people's kids yeah, on Thursday mornings. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Huh, that's great. That's interesting. Okay. So we chose to talk about Sanctity of Life, and we contacted you a while ago, and we've had some meetings and kind of brainstormed this topic a bit. But why did you agree to be involved with us on this topic? Let's start with you, Andrea. I think um, I see women in pregnancy all the time um, at work and some women with difficult diagnoses and some women with um, ambivalent or difficult feelings about their pregnancies. Yeah. Um, and I work in a profession that's just bombarded with um, the changing cultural view yeah. of, of patient choice. Yeah. Um, and I've just, even in the short time I've done this job, seen more and more shifting in mm -hmm. that direction. And with what I do at study, um, studying God's word, I just feel strongly that he has plans for us um, in terms of life and pregnancy that are different than culture. Yeah. Um, and so kind of to, to help put a framework and convey that. Yeah. Yeah. Now your uh, clinic, is your clinic of all Christian doctors or would it be people with a variety of opinions on this or? Um, predominantly Christian doctors. Yeah. Um, within there, there may be some variety yeah. of opinions. Um, and then um, a few doctors who probably wouldn't hold to those those views as in the same way. Right. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Angela? Why did you agree to come? Other than I twisted your arm, but <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I did, yes. Um, I too believe, I mean, I've had lots of experience with um, women and babies and infants and absolutely love my job mm -hmm. and what I do with them. Um, I also have two adult daughters hmm. that are, one is married and um, the other not yet. And so they've talked to me about birth control. So right we've yeah. actually had these conversations and recognizing that none of that really happened when I was entering yeah. that phase of life. I was True. thinking that too. Like mm -hmm. when I got married, I made decisions, but I didn't have any kind of scriptural no. background for why no. I made the decision I did. Absolutely or, not. No. I, I used my medical knowledge and went, oh, yeah. this looks good. This, this makes is sense. probably the yeah. right choice. Yeah. So walking through it with them scripturally was a very unique experience. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what? This is a good topic to be talking about because it's not is. always comfortable. I'm comfortable with my daughters, but maybe somebody's not with theirs or their. We yeah. taught our first pre-marriage class. We teach four in a row, Paul and I. And um, it was very interesting because at first class, people asked about, are we going to talk about birth control and the options for Christians? And I said, hang on, we're doing a podcast <laughs> like in a few days, and then you can listen to it and you can hear what um, our medical guests will say about birth control and sanctity of life. So there are a lot of people who are hungry for this kind of information, this kind of a topic. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So we thought we'd start off by giving a biblical perspective for why we're talking about this, and then we're going to talk about how that might differ from a cultural perspective. So we have a few scripture verses that we kind of portioned out for people to read. So, Andrew, why don't you start with the Psalm 139 passage? Give us a bit of a context for the what's, what's the psalm all about and, and then what your specific verses. So Psalm 139 is a psalm of David um, where he is... Um, just explaining how he's known by God. And in these specific verses, um, so starting in verse 13 through 16, he talks about how God knew him before he was born. Yeah. Um, And so just kind of speaking back to that life before the baby is outside of the womb. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Um, And David says in verse 13, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, Hmm. when as yet there was not one of them. Yeah, Hmm. such a comfort to think that God, right, knit us together, that he knew us, that he had plans for us before we were even born. Yeah. 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 How about the scripture passage that you have, Angela? Um, I'm going to read from Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5, and this is um, the call on Jeremiah's life. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I think this resonates that um, God has a relationship with life long before you're born, Mm -hmm. that he knew him and he called him, and he had Mm -hmm. it planned already. I know. That's amazing when you think about it. Yeah. Yep. He knew us before we were born and had already a call in our life, like you said. Yeah. And knowing is about relationship. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an intimate knowledge, not mm-hmm. just a head knowledge. Right. It's a knowledge of, yeah, being intimately involved with somebody. The next passage we thought we'd read is from Luke 1. Uh, Luke 1 and 2 kind of describes the Christmas story that lots of us will be familiar with in terms of um, two babies kind of being predicted uh, by angels and then being born. So the first was the apostle, or sorry, John the Baptist, and the second was Jesus. But we get this great story in Luke 1, verses 39 to 45. I'll just read it just so we get to hear the whole story. So Mary has just found out that she's going to give birth to, to Jesus, and then she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and it reads like this. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So this picture of the baby leaping in her womb, uh, recognition of um, the Holy Spirit kind of telling John that this was the Savior that was kind of coming into the room with him. Um, it's just a beautiful picture of babies kind of being aware of their surroundings, mm-hmm. of being called mm-hmm. by God, of being, this was the first evidence of anybody maybe ever in the scripture, being filled with the Spirit yeah. before he was born, John the Baptist, mm-hmm. right. which is an amazing picture, right? right? Yeah. That the Spirit already had hold of him <laughs> then. And we know even in our own lives, uh, I know going, I remember going to a concert when I was pregnant and <laughs> having the baby almost respond to the music. Like yeah. there's this idea of life and response even before a baby's born. Mm-hmm. And so this is a beautiful picture of that within scripture. Yeah. So we believe as Christians that life begins at conception. 
And many people who are not Christians also hold this view. And we know that not everybody who's pro-life is a Christian. So a lot of people believe that as well. But there are some other differing views. So, Andrea, why don't you jump in, just say a little bit about what you've seen about some of the other cultural perspectives about life. When it begins. Yeah, yeah. when it begins. Um, so, yeah, definitely. A lot of people would say at fertilization or conception, when the sperm and the egg come together, that that is when life starts. Um Culturally, I wouldn't say that's the dominant view at this no. point. Um, there would be a, a group of people who would say that that may not be when life begins, but once that embryo implants into the uterus, then life actually starts then. Okay, then because that's when it would be kind of sustainable or yeah, whatever. It becomes or, yeah. sustained by, by the uterus and the woman's body. Yeah. Um, but culturally, more and more, as we um, see a lot of the pro-choice argument, I think most people... Um, would say that life begins once baby exits the womb. So once it can, it wouldn't say sustain life on its own. We all right. know that our infants are yeah. not sustaining their own lives. Yeah. Um, but once it's exited the womb and is breathing and functioning on its own, that, that life only begins at, at that stage. Yeah. yeah. So you would have seen like preemie babies right. that would have been a pound. So which is really interesting discourse yeah. because they don't breathe on their own. Yeah. We have the resources in our country yeah. to help them breathe. In yeah. other countries, maybe not. Yeah. yeah. And so is that life? They're well, still born, but they are not dependent upon something still, right. to yeah, sustain them. And it's very interesting because our culture will say if it's convenient or if I want it, then we'll do everything we can to make life continue. So if that baby is born at one pound and like what you said, 24, 25 weeks, yep. and if that mom wants that baby to live, we will do everything possible. Yeah, that's a common discussion we yeah. used to have when I worked in the neonatal unit was at certain gestations, what kind of care do you want us to support? Yeah. Full, partial, or just let the baby pass because right. it will not survive without support. Okay. So that was commonly discussed, and it was um, very unique to hear differing opinions from mm -hmm. people. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting how Christians and non Christians. Yeah, yeah. how yeah. technology advances, it makes a lot of those ethical questions more pressing on us, right? Because before we had technology, well, it was just whether or not the baby could live. And then right. God, we kind of, God made the decision, right, on this baby's life. But now mm -hmm. that we have all these options to sustain life, you have to make those decisions as to. Yeah, when? And, and that looks different because I've lived in Zambia and okay, worked yeah. in or, or supported one of the units there. And um, there you did not have the technology. No. So there wasn't a lot of options as to what you could do. The baby lived or, or it died. died. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Sobering thought. I know it is. Yeah. Okay. Anything else we want to say on a cultural perspective? Let's talk about, um, you've talked, Andrea, about the terminology now has changed about interrupting a pregnancy. That was kind of a new one for me. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I think even when I started, um, if a pregnancy was terminated, um, then that was the language that was used. Termination? That, termination. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was coming to an end. And so often, I mean, it's not something that happens in Abbotsford. It's not kind of a part of the care that is provided either at the hospital or office level. Okay. Um, but if a patient had gone away and whatever circumstance had come up that they had terminated that pregnancy, when you got the notes back from um, the, the specialist, then that would be the termination they had, or the... So not abortion. The designation. Yeah. Termination. Yeah, the designation. Okay. Yeah. Um, but in the past few years, I had noticed an interesting change that those notes often come back saying that the patient has chosen to interrupt their pregnancy. Um, 
And I think it's because that language is softer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's hard. It makes it sound like it's a temporary decision or a, like mm-hmm. when you think interrupt, it's like we can re- continue it again. Well, you can't really, but that's the way the language they're using, right? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And I think it's because it's more comforting. Um, people are, they don't like the hard language, whether or not. That sort of goes into miscarriage versus a spontaneous abortion. Oh, I think yeah. of the medical mm-hmm. terminology we have yeah. to identify in how many pregnancies a woman has had, how many spontaneous abortions. And yeah. I've actually asked that question and somebody's been very offended by it. Okay. No, we had three miscarriages. Okay. So that's just, you know, medical so terminology. So medically you would have to write it down as a spontaneous abortion? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So just languaging and now the, mm-hmm. the shift in it to interrupting a pregnancy so how much distinction hmm. is there made between um, miscarriage as we know it to be something that the mother didn't want and it was a miscarriage versus a termination of a pregnancy? Is there a, a We always a have separate boxes on our forms okay. for um, like therapeutic abortions or ones that patients have chosen. Okay. And spontaneous abortions, the Oh, so those the are the two terms. Okay, interesting. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so that we do categorize them separately on their records. But then as nurses, we don't necessarily get that from all providers. Okay. So we ask the patient, but they're not always willing to talk about it. No. Well, yeah, this is a touchy, this uh-huh. is yep. t- touches the core of who you are and how you feel about your life and mm-hmm. like, some of the decisions yeah. that you've made around yeah. this topic, yeah. right? They've often not disclosed it to maybe a new partner right. or right. the person with them mm-hmm. currently. Oh, right. So, so that would be awkward. And or very their awkward. mother's in the room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. A lot of stuff packed around this topic. Okay, what about the laws of Canada? When does a baby have rights? When it's born. So when it's born and is outside the womb. Okay. Um, But Canada really doesn't have a abortion law. Really? It's just open. So Um, you can have um, an interrupted pregnancy or an abortion at any point. Depending on the ability to find somebody to provide that. Okay. um, Which is a limiting factor. Um, and so sometimes that is is the challenge. Okay. Hmm. Wow, these are a lot of uh, yeah. difficult things to wrap your head around. But when you think about the fact that, um, like even Justin Trudeau recently has said that this is one of the pillars of his mm-hmm. government, to think mm-hmm. that there's not actually a law that um, kind of defines that or encompasses it, that's an interesting thought. Because it seems like he's assuming in his speeches that this is something that is kind of set but you're saying it's not really. No. No. And there's not a list of reasons why you can or can't have one. Okay. Um, and so it's a bit of an awkward topic in the um, pro-choice movement, but if you believe a patient can have an abortion for whatever reason they want, then whatever reason they want has to be enough for them. And they don't always feel comfortable with the reasons that a patient might choose. So Interesting. Yeah, totally. So as a doctor then, Andrea, how much... Um, choice do you have to be part of this or not I think that depends a lot in terms of how and where you work as a physician okay Um, because I only provide maternity care typically by the time people have chosen to come and see a doctor to take care of a pregnancy it's a pregnancy that they right want to continue okay so I don't have um, a particularly large group of patients who would want to terminate their pregnancy by the okay. time they're coming to see our office. Okay. Um, because it can be tricky for patients to find out about that. Um, abortion does not require a referral in Canada. Okay. Um, so they can seek out those clinics without needing to go through a family doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of removes the necessity of a physician to okay. refer. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but this is a really awkward topic in Canada right now, especially kind of to touch on the other subject at the other end of life, but with medical assistance and dying, yeah, yeah. that recent judgments are looking at what referrals physicians need to provide. So okay. I think the landscape on both abortion and that will be very difficult to navigate in medicine. Yeah. And there's so many conflicting, like you said, that until the baby's born, they don't necessarily have rights, but then you'll hear stories of mothers who get in accidents and that right. causes yeah. the baby to be, to be, um, affected and maybe be stillborn or whatever. And then they'll sue based on this baby, but that does it have rights as a full person yeah. yet or not? Or like, there's a lot of gray areas that kind of affect all these different lawsuits, right? It's yeah, very that one, gray. I think has, well, except for that one, it has a law that actually like, it's not until it's born. Yeah. It has no rights, whether it's breathed or not. Um, but once it's born, it has rights. So ultimately in utero, no rights. Wow. Hmm. Very different than what we just read in scripture. Right. Okay. So if we think of life beginning at conception, this will impact um, not just whether or not we terminate a pregnancy, but kind of how we prevent pregnancy in terms of birth control. And that's a topic that mm -hmm. your people wanted us to talk about. <laughs> so right. when you advise people on birth control, um, what would be kind of some of the things you'd ask them to or ask them to talk to their doctor about? Like, we don't want to provide a bunch of rules here, but we want to say, like, as you talk to your doctor, what are the questions that they should ask? What the different options? Can I jump in just for a second? Sure. I'm yeah. thinking... Even before that, we have to maybe say that at Northview, we don't have um, any kind of policy around birth control in terms of it's between um, a husband and wife right. and God as to whether they decide to delay pregnancy or children for whatever reasons. Sometimes that's health reasons. Sometimes that's financial reasons. They're or going to school or they're on the mission field or whatever. So it's we allow people to make that choice whether or not they want mm -hmm. to delay pregnancy. Um, but then it comes in, if you want to delay pregnancy, how do you then pursue birth control? And in a biblical kind of yeah. framework of yeah. thinking through it. Yeah. Of, yeah. So what would be the options? But what kind of, for maybe first say, what are the options of birth control available? And then what kind of questions should we think through as we decide which options yeah. would be there? Is that helpful? Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we're, li we're limping our way from this yeah, side. You yeah. have to help us out. Several yeah. different options um, <laughs> yeah. in terms of availability. Um, so simple things like barrier contraception or condoms yeah. um, that are just preventing the sperm from traveling to the egg yeah. um, okay. and for them ever meeting. Yeah. Um, to other methods that um, prevent the egg from being released. So preventing ovulation. If there's no egg there, then. So that would be like the pill? Like the birth control pill? The birth control pill yeah. is one method that yeah. predominantly. Yeah. Okay. Um, th and there's different types of pills right. yeah. okay. of a whole variety yeah. um, of different hormone levels and some containing both estrogen and progesterone, some only with progesterone. Okay. Yeah. So it's typically more of the estrogen component that acts in the prevention of ovulation. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the pill has other effects as well of, you know, changing the uterine lining and those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the ring, Nuva ring is the new yeah. one. Which is another way of delivering um, combined. Yep. What does that do? Delivers okay. the same combined hormones. Okay. Um, but it's a ring that's just placed in the vagina and can okay. be left there for several weeks. So it okay. doesn't require you to remember something every day. Right. Is that okay. like the patch? Is that mm -hmm. like that brisket? A patch is a different delivery method okay. of yep. kind of the same hormones. So yeah. Yeah. The difference is in delivery yeah. method. Yeah. Or injections. Injections. Every three months. Yeah. Yep. Which does the same thing. It's does like a hormone thing. control piece. Yeah. So it's more of your life choices. Are you able to take a pill every day? Will you remember? Do right. you need to just not think about it for three weeks? And so those are different choices for okay. your lifestyle as well that you okay. would want to consider. Yeah. Okay. 
And then um, kind of the other one would be intrauterine devices or IUDs. <coughs> yeah. um, so something that's placed in the uterus that can be left there for typically five years, although there's some of different lengths. Okay. Um, and some of those have hormones and some of them don't. Oh, okay. And they're typical effect would be on changing kind of the ability of the sperm to travel and changing the ability of the uterus to be receptive if that embryo. So impacts implantation. Yeah. yeah. So even if the egg is fertilized, it doesn't have a chance to implant and actually grow. Yeah. So what kind of questions do you want people to think about as they decide what the best route is for them? Well, I think part of it is their motivation, why they're delaying it. So is it a short term concept for right. them? Is it a long-term concept? Um, knowing yourself, do you take pills well every day or are you going to forget them? You right. know, it, So again, it stems back to your motivation, your discussion as a couple, um, why you're delaying childbirth at this time. So they all have different failure rates as well. They do. And yeah. statistics, you know, are statistics and it God can overrule any of that and yeah, you exactly. could be pregnant at any point. Right? Yeah. Um, so and people who are infertile for years can all of a sudden become pregnant. Like, yeah. And we just, see that happen. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I think you have to sit down together, um, make a list of sort of what your requirements are, what your biblical perspective is, and then ask your provider. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say not what they feel about it, but that these are the important things to you. Yeah. Yeah. What would be my best options short term, long term? Yeah. Those are good. You know, those things become important. And I, I guess had, kind I had of no the big idea thing. about this. We yeah. didn't talk about yeah. was the whole natural family planning, right? Um, which most of your providers will not at all be an expert in. Um, but there are books and apps and all of those kind of things. If yeah, you want to chart your rhythm. cycle and, and kind of use that rhythm method with temperature. Kind of, yeah. So. So that's kind of watching to see when you will ovulate and when and is avoiding the, intercourse around those right specific times if you're trying to delay child. Yeah. Uh, or pregnancy without any other medical like yeah mm -hmm. without any intervention of testosterone yeah. or right or, you may I mean, be a person that doesn't want to take medication pills. or <clears throat> right. that but mm -hmm. you yeah. still want to delay childbirth so there's different ways of mm -hmm. looking at it yeah any other good questions what would be good questions to ask so i think like angela kind of pointed out um you just want to find out where the main action of your specific contraception would be acting? Is it preventing you from ovulating? Yeah. Is right. it preventing um, the egg from implanting? What What does your provider know about that? Yeah. What information can they give you? Right. So and something that affects you after conception might would be something you want to be aware of, right? Because like, if yeah. you believe life begins at conception and this this method of birth control is actually after conception, then you have to weigh, like, how does that match, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And any sort of medical form of birth control also will have impact on your health. So do you yes. have health conditions right. that are concerning for you to take estrogen? Right. You know, um, so you have to explore that with your provider as well. Like what are the risks of these yeah. given who I am and what I'm dealing with? Yeah. Yeah. And there's side effects. Always. And some side effects are tolerable and some are less tolerable. And we know that hormones systemically yeah. in our body have effects on lots of things. And yeah. So. And perhaps you're on um, a medication, like, for example, the acne medication Accutane, absolutely contraindicated in pregnancy. So if you're trying to prevent pregnancy and you're on a medication that could be harmful to pregnancy, ah. you need to really ensure mm -hmm. you're not going to be pregnant. Right. Because yes. it could impact the way the baby develops and that kind of thing you're right. saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Very toxic to okay. a fetus. Ah, yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, that's really good to know. 
to go and talk about all your current issues that you're struggling with. And I would say that's a common one um, in the young adult women. Um, Accutane is maybe a little less recommended than it has been before, but there are medications that they're on for different health reasons that are very um, toxic for pregnancies. Okay. So that's a big choice. Can you talk a little bit about the morning after pill? I don't think it has that quite name right now, but that's but how I knew it. Plan B. Yeah. Plan yeah. B. Yeah. I think this is helpful for people of all ages to know this. Um, I'm thinking particularly moms as they have daughters that are walking through all this kind of thing. But I think women need to know about this option. Right. Plan B doesn't need a prescription, correct? No. It's just so over it's the counter, pharmacist, behind the counter, pharmacist. Counseling. Oh, wow. So you don't need to see a doctor. Okay. The individual and could go to Save on Foods okay. and pick it up. And the purpose of it is? So it, the purpose of it is to prevent you from a pregnancy that you didn't want. And it a little bit depends on where you're at in terms of your cycle. Um, have you ovulated or have you not ovulated yet? And not all women will know that. Yeah. Um, kind of where they are. Um, and so it can prevent implantation. It's like an emergency contraception, so right. if possibly. So it's not a prevention in the sense of it's not prior to having intercourse with somebody, it's afterwards. Afterwards. Yeah. Yep. If you feel that you may have become pregnant, then you can go and get the morning after pill and yep. it, it starts a period. Is that what happens? Like a, or what happens? Do you um, know? So it can prevent you from ovulating depending on where you're at. And there's okay. a couple of different methods in terms okay. of how you take it or there's a few options, not just one one specific pill, um, or, or it can prevent that that pregnancy from implanting if okay. one has started already. So, so how would you talk through? Yeah, <laughs> would you encourage someone to talk through the ethics of that with somebody before they do? What would you advise to somebody if they they were considering that, if they don't need a prescription? I mean, I think it's opening a big can of worms. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Looking back at the circumstances in which eyes. Yeah. you were in. <laughs> that led you to the encounter that you think you can get pregnant in and what were those circumstances? Um, I think because we're not dealing generally with married couples in a stable relationship that are accessing this. Yeah. This is, I would say, our teenage population that okay. have made some different choices and the parents may know nothing about this. Right. Yeah. So well, they're I doing this because their friend said, yeah. oh, go to the pharmacy, get, get this, this pill, yeah. Yeah. won't be pregnant, you don't have to tell anybody. Right. Yeah. So I think that backs up way back to being in relationship with your children, yeah. knowing what they're doing, where they're at, to the best of your ability. But if you do find out, obviously have to support them and walk through that with yeah. them and talk about better choices. Yeah. 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 So I think that's key for all of us to think about some of these things ahead of time. And like you said, to be in relationship with our kids so we can talk about some of these things and what, what, how the choices impact might impact them in the future, right, in mm -hmm. terms of how they think back to this time. Or the choices they, they make, whether or not to have intercourse with people right. that they're not married to and in relationship, yeah. serious relationship with. Yeah. I mean, I think we've been focusing on the married couple that are making choices, but there's also a large population in our community, in all communities, that, yeah. you know, teenagers are engaging in sex and um, they're accessing prescriptions and birth control as well at youth clinics. So you don't need parent permission for right. most of these things. Yeah. yeah, that's a big thing to know. Yeah. Um, at what age can kids go and get birth control? So when the provider feels that they have acceptable consent and can have a risk-benefit discussion, okay. so there's not a there's specific no cutoff. Okay. Um, so that's young young kids. Teenagers. Like, yeah, yeah. That, even 12 and 
early teenage years. Right. I think most of the recent statistics say their first sexual encounter happens around 12, 13 years of age in our culture. And so you're saying that at that age, they can go to the youth clinics and get the... um, Or their family doctor. Their family doctor. They do not need their parents. Okay. I can't yeah. imagine most actually making an appointment with a family doctor. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably, Probably a way too intimidating. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah. those would be advertised through their schools or how would people know about youth clinics? Their friends. Yeah. I think through school. <laughs> the internet, their yeah. friends, social yeah. media. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's an awareness for all of us if we are parents or even aunts and uncles and whatever of people. Yeah. Like it's good to have these conversations early with kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, yep. the doors open so that people know they can talk to adults in their life about it. Because they can get advice elsewhere if we're not willing to talk about it. So True, right. it's better to have it come from somebody Definitely. that is involved in a relationship with you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let's jump to the other side where somebody has decided that they have either had all the kids that they uh, want or can handle or maybe they don't want children for health reasons. What are some of the options, permanent solutions? So kind of the two big options um, from the male perspective would be vasectomy, yeah. um, which is... Well, as a female, a fairly simple procedure um, <laughs> that is generally performed as an outpatient and, you know, they're not staying in hospital for that. Um, and then from the female perspective, um, obviously, depending on other medical conditions and reasons for surgery, um, the most simple being just having your tubes either tied or removed mm-hmm. um, up to kind of the, the full hysterectomy, but that would be looking at different different medical conditions impacting that. But both vasectomy and um, the removal of your tubes are highly effective at birth control. Yeah. Um, With good follow-up. You want to be certain that you are finished. Because I've seen a few of those babies. You will pay to to reverse it if you choose (laughs) 10 years down the road to have another baby. And that's not a hormonal treatment. No. No. That's a physical treatment. That is a physical physical interruption of egg and sperms. Yeah, so they aren't released... Into a, yeah, into a place where they could be meeting together. Right. Yeah. And those have been around for a long time. Like, long time. Yeah. 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 When I think of those generations that that discussion would have been around. So we don't have enough time to talk about all the different things we could talk about in terms of this topic. We could go on forever. Um, but I think as we end, we want to talk a little bit about what happens if you have made a decision that you regret? Yeah, um, We know there's people in our congregation that have had abortions or have maybe done the morning after pill, the plan B, um, other things that they now look back and think, oh, I wish I had more information about yeah. that. And they regret it. So what would you say to people that you encounter that may be in that kind of situation? There's forgiveness. Um God has forgiveness for those choices that all of us have made that have been out of line with his will, yeah. um, including the ones around our reproductive choices. Yeah. Um, and so when we repent of that, then I yeah. think we need to know that that's out there. And we need to be sensitive um, as providers um, and as a church yeah. that people have made a variety of choices at different times in their lives with different information. Yeah. Um, but they they can still be... God's children. Yeah. yeah. Um, My favorite verse on that is 1 John 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right. Just that three-letter word, all. So we've done all kinds of things, like you said, Andrea, that have dishonored God, dishonored his word, and yet there is forgiveness when we acknowledge our sin. And we can run to him and just say, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing's beyond his bounds. No, Nothing's no. out of limits. It's not like no. these sins or these 
discretions and not others, right? No, it's, right. It's all covered. And we don't need yeah. to beat ourselves up for life. We can realize that we made a mistake. We say sorry for it, and then we learn. And we help to teach others so that they don't make some of the same mistakes we did. I think for myself as a nurse at the hospital, many of these women that I've seen have had or made choices to either interrupt pregnancy or long-term um, birth control now have infertility issues. Uh, yeah. And that's a whole new population that we're seeing. So wow. now, now they're pregnant by maybe different means of fertility <laughs> treatment and the raw emotions hmm. that we see throughout the pregnancy, throughout the delivery or labor and delivery, and just being really sensitive um, to them, whether they're they're Christians or not hmm. Christians. I mean, there's so much emotions tied up in life, right? Yeah. Sanctity of life for the Christian and the non-Christian. And just being very sensitive and available and assuring to them mm -hmm. during that process. I think that's a large group of women that we're seeing mm -hmm. in the hospital that present, you know, in our care. And we have an opportunity to, yeah. to really show grace to them. Yeah. yeah. To love them. Yeah. And love well, them. Yep. Yeah. And I think if you have gone through something like this, it's like anything that we've gone through in our own life. If we've kind of gone through a difficult thing, a difficult decision, made peace with God, then we're more able to actually extend that grace to other people. Yeah, right. And so I'd encourage you, if yeah. you have gone through this, to not hide it in yeah. shame or kind of leave it in your little black closet and never yeah, talk to anybody right. about it. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you open your mouth and say, this is something I walked through and it was hard. Mm -hmm. And like if in a safe place, you don't want to expose yourself to the whole world, but it might really encourage somebody else, right? That's, yeah. That is yeah. in that shame closet right now or is in that place of darkness and doesn't know how to do something about it. So all of these hard things, like Thaley, you so often say to people, yeah. it's not a bad thing that you're walking through this hard thing because at some point you'd be able to help somebody else yeah, through it. Absolutely. And, and people so, come and talk to me all the time. So you can contact me, care at northview.org. Come sit with me. We'll work through it. We'll cry through it, talk through it. I've got lots of Kleenex and we'll, <laughs> you know, it's okay. And I think it's important for yeah. us to realize, too, we'll come to church on a Sunday and we'll see people and we'll see only their outsides. Yeah. And we'll think, I'm the only one that has done something in the past that's horrible or I'm whatever. And we just think everybody else has it perfect. Mm. And mm -hmm. the more we sit, like I know at, in your precept groups, right? Yeah. And the more yeah. in our Wednesday morning studies, mm -hmm. and the more you sit with people, you realize everybody comes with different stuff and we're all carrying it. And it's not all on our faces for everybody to yeah. see, no. but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as we unpack these things in our offices and at the right. hospital too. Yeah, and as there's we walk a lot through, of baggage. Yeah, yeah. and as we walk through Scripture, it pokes us in different ways, and then we realize, oh shoot, mm -hmm. I need to th talk about this or think about it. Yeah. So, and I would say even I've been poked in these places as I've yeah. grown in my knowledge of what God says, and absolutely things have changed. So, so what yeah. other resources do we have? We mentioned coming to see me. I know that a, a simple one is go on to gotquestions.org and you can hmm. type in birth control and things like that. It's really good, solid answers in scripture to walk through some of these tough questions. What else would you say? I mean, obviously your first line is could be your family physician. If you have mm -hmm. a long-standing relationship with them, yeah. take time to explore some of these questions with them. Yeah. Yep. We have um, Hope for Women, I think. Is that the name of the pregnancy? There's one of them. Yeah. Yep. yeah, there's been different ones kind of throughout. Mm -hmm. There's been the crisis pregnancy and other ones. So Advocate Life and Education Services. Okay. They yeah. offer a lot of education. They're actually working in the high schools right now oh, as okay. well in Abbotsford and doing an amazing presentation. Yep. That's neat. Yeah, so we have organizations within town that are happy to walk through all these different options with people and but maybe even before you meet the family doctor. But mm -hmm. family doctor is right. a great resource for sure. And you might want to open up to a trusted mom or dad, 
aunt and uncle, grandparent. Coach. Just, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't um, don't be alone in these kinds of things. Right. Yeah. Somebody you trust. So do you want to pray for us as we leave, Celia? Love to. Okay. Okay. Lord, thank you so much that we could talk about such um, sometimes an awkward, difficult conversation. Lord, we want to honor you and we want to honor your word. And I pray that the four of us would have opportunities to speak with many more people that are struggling in areas like this. And for our listeners, Lord, we pray that you would give them opportunities to show how much they love you and how much they show your word and uh, love your word and how much they're willing to listen to others and be compassionate and kind and understanding. Lord, we're so thankful that you forgive us when we go wrong. We pray that all of us would easily run to you and say we're sorry. And Lord, Mm -hmm. would you walk with us? And would you help us by the power of your Holy Spirit? We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, you guys. Thank you.